Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. You know what's really important to me when I do business with a company is trust and transparency. I've been telling you now for a good while about my buddy Damon Burton and his company, SEO National, because trust and transparency are just as important to them. You know, for the last 15 years in the search engine optimization space, they have been leading the way and serving people tremendously well. Now, for those of you that don't know what SEO is, it stands for search engine optimization. It helps you show up higher on Google searches so that folks that are looking for what you have find you quicker. And you know what's really encouraging? More revenue, more sales, growing your business. Do me a favor, get in touch with Damon and his team today at SEO National at 855-736-6285 or go to seonational.com and get your free quote and tell him you heard it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. I hope you're ready because here comes a dynamite conversation on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. I have a guy on here that you're going to love. You, you're going to want to hit rewind on this conversation because I know it's going to be good. He's a motivational speaker. And Brian, there's a lot of motivational speakers. Just wait. He's an entrepreneur. But more importantly, he's an overcomer. And that's where you're really going to find value in this conversation. He, he has achievement through adversity. We can all say we've gone through some adversity, but we're going to talk about a guy who's an overcomer through adversity. And that's my friend, Wesley Morris, joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Wesley, how are you doing today, man? What's good? I am blessed and highly favored, man. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, just excited to be here and uh, grateful, grateful. We'll start the conversation here because I got connected to you through a friend of mine, Eric Konovalov, and I, I have to, I want to give him a public shout out because um, Eric, Eric was very instrumental in helping me get <clears throat> people buy from people out there, encouraging me and things like that. So when you were on Eric's podcast, I was like, man, and he's like, B, you gotta you gotta get in touch with Wesley. You've got you've got to do this. So I want to ask you this. Let's let's start here with the with overcoming. Mm. The last two years have been unlike we've seen at, at any time in our lives. I'll be 50 in August. I've never seen anything like this. The things that we've gone through. Take me for you through the last couple of years, and what is a lesson that you have taken from the last couple of years around the pandemic and how we, and we seem to be, thank God, we seem to be on the other side of it, mm -hmm. but take me through the last couple of years in your world, professionally or personally, and what's a lesson that you'll take from it going forward in your life, maybe in business or, or as you coach and motivate other people? Absolutely. And that's a great question. And I think everyone has, um, you know, experienced unprecedented times in the last two years. Um, you know, for me, I own a retail store, a brick and mortar. Um, it's a massage therapy business um, with 10 therapists that all rely on that business being operational in order to, you know, 
meet their basic necessities and, and feed their families. And I, I'm, I remember vividly uh, March 17th, um, getting the orders from the governor of Pennsylvania saying, um, you know, all non-essential businesses shut down. I didn't even, I never heard that word before non-essential. Um, so, you know, it, it was a, it was a very confusing, um, the fear didn't set in right away, but definitely the confusion. And, um, you know, and obviously I, um, I complied, right. I complied. I know some businesses that did not, but for me, I complied, um, to the best of my ability. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I sat home for two and a half weeks and I was just filled with fear and anxiety. And I had put my blood, sweat, and tears into growing my family business, um, about 500% at that time. And, um, and I had all these people looking to me, you know, for answers and I didn't have any. Right. And I got, you know, I, I gained weight pretty quick and, um, you know, I, I just, I got down and, and, you know, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm a recovering person. Um, so, you know, being in that type of environment and that type of state is not good for a person like me. Yeah. Um, I need to be connected to, um, a certain group and, um, you know, just sitting at home watching the, the television was, was not good. So, you know, Brian, I made a decision one day I woke up and I said, you know, I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to put my clothes on and I'm going to ride my bicycle eight and a half miles to work. And I said, if we're going down, we're going down swinging. And I did a complete renovation to my entire business in that three and a half months that we were down, right? And the lesson, the couple of lessons that I learned from that time period is if you're in business, when everybody goes on defense, it's a great opportunity to go on offense, okay? Number two, you have to find the positive. For me, finding the positive was that I had three and a half months in a build in a business that had no customers. It was a perfect opportunity for me to do a renovation. So wait a minute, you went three and a half months without doing any business whatsoever. That is mind boggling to me because no business should survive being closed for three and a half months, especially in a retail business where you have clientele that are coming every week for, for your services. I mean, you're performing. I, I don't understand how you weren't an essential business in that time, Wesley, because I mean, you, you have to think and forgive me for one, for jumping in and two for for the long winded question, because I'm sitting here thinking, how many people from a health benefit standpoint needed massage therapy to get through their weeks from a health standpoint and you were considered non-essential? I, I am trying to, to put myself in that moment. How did you keep yourself focused through that time? Because I would have a lot of questions. I would say, well, of course we're essential. We're essential to the people that need to have, and I'm not trying to get political. Please forgive me if I, if, if, if it seems like I am, but my goodness, I can't imagine how you are not essential. I, I'm just trying, and I'm sure there are listeners going, well, how are you not essential? 
Well, um, you know, that whole time period was really weird. And, and, and to this day, I cannot figure out how you can stop me from conducting business, but the bills didn't stop. That's what I never understood. I never understood. Okay. I understand you want everyone to stay home, but if that's the case, then these bills over here have to stop because the, the, you know, there's a wheel here. I pay you, you pay him, this person. And, and it was like, just cut off. Right. And yes, there was some assistance that we capitalized on and, and that helped, but I'll tell you what, if I was not a good steward of my money and if my financial health was not in order, I could see how a lot of businesses didn't make it. You know, I, I didn't realize, but a lot of businesses, they, they, they operate month to month. You know, there is no reserves. And, you know, I, I had about six months in reserves after six months, we were, we we're going to hit the panic button there. Um, because the mortgage was still due that, you know, the, the, the bills were still due. And, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how they deemed essential and not essential. I mean, I remember the ice cream store being open and I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> you know, so that whole time, but how I got through it was, and this is very interesting, you know, being intentional, all human suffering is me worrying about me. All fear, all anxiety, all worry, all of those negative emotions are me worrying about me. And that's exactly what happened for those first two and a half months. And then the quickest way to get out of self-centered fear is to put the focus on someone else. So that's exactly what I did. In the midst of the pandemic, I donated 450 meals to the local elementary school. I donated 150 meals to the local hospital for the nurses. I donated 100 meals to the local janitorials of the of the hospital. And I literally took the focus off of me and put it on someone else. And in doing so, I, I'm looking at a citation from the United States House of Representatives that gave, they gave me the Good Samaritan Award. So I actually gained an award through the pandemic as a result of what I consider just doing the right thing. Well, and here's the thing too, and, and I love what you said there about, here, here's a couple of things I want to chew on and, and mm -hmm. just kind of extrapolate a little more conversation out of. The first thing you said was I had six months of reserves, mm -hmm. financial reserves. And so you stored up and, and, and a lot of people, I think this was a lesson, Wesley, if we, if we were to go back and say, okay, if this ever happens again, this is probably how we should do things. So we probably should save some money and put it aside to where if our income was affected, then we have this money in reserve. So we have this in reserve. That's a good principle for personal financial stewardship. So I love what you said there. The second thing that really struck me though was how we could flip the fear. And, and what I thought of when you were saying that was having encouragement in reserve. And this is what I try to tell people all the time. Like, look, you got to know where your sources of encouragement come from when you go through situations like that. 
when you think about flipping the script on fear, how do you feel like that resonated through your business and through the employees that you have? Because these are people that you've led when things were good, business was good, everybody was moving along. Now all of a sudden we're down three and a half months and you're leading in a different way. You're not only leading the 10 people that you have on staff, but now you're a leader in the community. Now other people are seeing what these people have seen. How do you, how did you communicate that encouragement through to the people that worked with you day in and day out? Because I, I'm just trying to put myself in that situation. I could see that those people are like, man, I'm sure glad I worked for a guy like that. It, yeah. And um, I, I have a one therapist named Joy who, um, you know, told me after the fact that after all the smoke had cleared and, you know, we had reopened and stuff about six months later, she goes, you know, during that time, um, I watched you Wes and, you know, I said to myself, well, if Wes isn't giving up, neither am I. <laughs> wow. And, um, that's you powerful, know, man. That and I so really, and, and I did a complete renovation of, of the, uh, of the interior of the business. I painted new floors, new lighting. I did it all myself. And, you know, yes, it was a great opportunity to enhance the business, but number two, it gave me a sense of purpose. Right. And I felt I, it's very important for people to have a reason to get up in the morning, something to strive for, something to reach for. And I didn't have that. I didn't have a sense of purpose. So getting up and picking up that paintbrush every day, I didn't care how long it took me. It just kept my mind active. Yeah. I was trying to save my life, bro. Yeah. Well, and again, you, 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 a lot of people rolled along with life and their business and things like that. Well, we're trying to make these projections and that projection and do this and that. And, and, and here's what I here's what I found interesting. What I found interesting was it felt like to me that the the large businesses were encouraged to keep going. Oh, we need the big we we need the Walmarts and 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 the other people like that. And and again, I'm not trying to get political. I didn't understand why we weren't focusing more on the small businesses who lit people that lived in the community, who did things in the community, who could always be counted on in the community. I never understood why we didn't protect them first and why we didn't try to help them first because they're usually, it's like, it's to me, it's like small business is like the first responders of the community. Like they're the people that are, that are, that are there in the community, they're investing in things. I, I never understood that. Did you have other small businesses reach out to you and go, how are you keeping yourself sane? How are you keeping yourself afloat? Because if you were able to impact your therapist, I can only imagine the community of small businesses and the people you knew that had small businesses like yourself, were you getting some of those calls and things from, from your friends that were small business owners yourself? And, and how were you... If you did, Wes, how were you encouraging those people? Yeah, I mean, it, it was unprecedented times and it was a lot of frustration. It was a lot of confusion and, and it was a lot of, uh, 
um, unknowns, right? But um, yeah, you know, we take turns saving each other's lives, right? We take turns restoring each other's sanity. And, and, you know, one day I may be down and you may be up and the other day you're down and I'm up and, you know, it's, it's a give and take. And, and hopefully that you've invested time and energy into relationships so that when you call on those relationships, they're there to make deposits into your spirit. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. The new year is upon us and you may be sitting there thinking, hey, I would really love to pay off some debt or I would like to save for that dream vacation. Maybe you want to buy a new car, whatever it is you want to do financially in the coming year. Let me give you a great piece of intentional encouragement and something to think about that might help you do it. Products for Profit. Now, this is a course taught by my good friend, Joe Hart, who's been a guest on the Intentional Encourager podcast and has told his story how reselling changed his life. And you know what, folks? It could do the same thing for you too. It's really simple. Reselling is basically buying a product and then reselling it online for more money. And Joe is going to take you through the steps and show you how to do this either part-time or maybe as some of his students have done, take this full-time as well. Go to coachjoe89.gumroad.com backslash L backslash premium PFP. And oh, by the way, this group is going to help you find leads of products that are profitable right now, give you all kinds of great intentional encouragement. And you're going to be surrounded by a community of people that are going to want to see you be successful in the reselling game. Again, go to coachjoe89.gumroad.com backslash L backslash premium PFP and tell him you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Man, that is so good. And, and, it, and again, it just, it fits right into the story of your life. Hmm. Because again, and we're going to get to that story here in a few minutes, but it feels like that, that God put you on planet earth to help other people know how to overcome. And, and that is, that is such a beautiful thing. And I tell people all the time, I said, look, life teaches you lessons. Everything you go through is designed, I believe for you to help somebody else. Yes to go through that. Yes. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine today and I'm like, you know, we were talking about this person and I'm like, look, I believe that, 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 that God creates, and I'll get your thought about this, Wes. I believe God creates to some degree people that are, that are pack mules or load bearers. Mm-hmm. If you think about a mule and and what they were designed to do years and years ago, before we had trucks and before we had ways to, to transport goods from one place to another, a lot of times people use mules to pack those goods. And that's where the term pack mule comes from because these animals were designed to carry loads that were just immense and they were necessary and they were vital. And I believe that God creates people like that, that are load bearers. They go through things because God knows that they're able to carry the load successfully. How do you work with, and I know you work with people like that. I know you work with people that say, but Wes, I'm tired of carrying the load. 
how do you how do you coach and encourage and motivate those people that are just designed for that kind of thing man they're just built to handle the load but they get discouraged a lot of times i hope i'm asking that question correctly i hope i've i've kind of set that up correctly for you well i, I believe you know um the load is is life right yeah the load is life right and and, and you know, so many times I think that um, our experiences, our setbacks, our adversities, our failures, all of that adds to the load, right? Yeah. And what I'm saying to answer your question is sometimes the load doesn't have to be that, that heavy. I think, you know, our ability to compartmentalize some of the experiences in our lives and to leave them right where they are whether it's five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you're still carrying around that load. You're 40 years old, Wes. You're still carrying around that load. Let that go. Put that away. Put it in its proper place. Okay. And lighten that load. Lighten that load. And I think that, you know, when, when, the, when the way that we look at things changes, the things that we look at begin to change. And sometimes that load can be lightened just by a change of perspective. It wasn't really a failure. It was a redirection. It wasn't a loss. It was a learning lesson. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that can, you know, and that can lighten that load. How hard was it for you to find that out for yourself? Because people that have gone through a lot of things, there are times they say, well, if this had broken differently, if this had happened differently, my life might be different in this way. If I hadn't gone through X, then I might have had Y. And, and I look at that and I go, yeah, but if you hadn't gone through X, you wouldn't have the perspective of going through that. And, and going through and overcoming the stuff that you have, how easy or difficult was it for you to find that kind of perspective? Because most people don't find that perspective until much later in life. They get to maybe a deathbed situation where they go, ah, you know what? I wish I would have left that situation there. Or it takes them so many years of just, just navigating through the muck of hurt and disappointment and frustration that they finally just go, I'm just sick of this and I, and I have to lay it down. For you that's overcome a lot of things, how quickly did you discover that some lows were meant to be left where they were? Mm. Yeah, it took me, it took me a long time. And and to be specific, right? Like um, you know, when I was when I was 12 years old, I thought I had a normal life. And then one day, Brian, I come home from wrestling practice and um the, the state police had my whole house around it. And I remember standing on the sidewalk, confused, scared. And I remember vividly my mom being carried out in handcuffs. Um, she was being arrested for running a prostitution ring. Mm -hmm. And I was crushed. I mean, I was crushed. I cried myself to sleep that night. And I carried that around with me for 20 years. Why did this happen to me? Why, you know, why, why did you do this to me? Right. 
And, um, you know, I found myself at 32 years old, still carrying around that experience that I looked at in a negative light. That experience led me to, um, three DUIs and, and 20 and seven underages. And I, I literally lost my license in the state of Pennsylvania for 22 years. And, uh, you know, I, I ended up being a homeless heroin addict in North Philadelphia. I stood in the middle of the street and I sold bottles of water for a dollar a piece. I was 50 pounds less than I am right now. I was malnourished. I was dehydrated and I was a shell of a man. And at 32 years old, I realized that I had been carrying around the feelings and emotions of that 12 year old little boy for 20 years. And I needed it. It was hard. It was hard to process. It was hard to compartmentalize and to work through it. But my God, it wasn't so necessary. Did you ever get to the point where you, where you asked your mom, why was it, was it that your family needed money? Was it that she, you know, this was something that she, because, and here's why I say this. Mm -hmm. Some people do things out of fear and necessity. And some people just do it because they're like, I just want to see what that was like. I just, you know, or. I had a desire for this or that. And I'm not saying that was the case in your, in your mom's situation. It's like somebody, it's like somebody stealing something and like they can afford to, they can afford it. It wasn't the necessity of it. It was, I want to steal this thing because I can, I want to steal this thing because I just wanted to know what it was like to steal something or something like that. Did your mom ever come clean with you and say, this is why I did what I did? Absolutely. Yeah. I have a phenomenal relationship with my mother today. She is literally one of the strongest, most amazing women on the planet earth. I feel as though, but it's my mom. And, um, you know, through, through my relationship with her and as well as the development that I've done on myself, I've realized that, um, human behavior is directly predicated to our belief system as well as our values and our self-image, right? So, um, you know, for years, I believed that I wasn't worth much. I would never become much. And my actions and my results showed that. I mean, you know, losing my license for 22 years, you know, I really didn't care too much about my life or yours, right? So my value system was all messed up. And, um, you know, in hindsight, um, you know, our, our, our income are the results of our life. They, they usually don't supersede our self-image. So the way that we see ourselves is basically what we think that we're worth. And, um, when that increases, so do our results. Um, you know, I realized that my mom was just doing the best that she knew how. And I think that, you know, we're pre-programmed when we are an infant age to believe whatever it is that we believe, right? We only have two fears, okay? A fear of falling and a fear of loud sounds. Every other belief that we have is a learned behavior. So discrimination, racism, you know, fear of people, fear of, of, of whatever the case may be. 
These are all learned behaviors that we have been programmed in our subconscious mind. Yeah. I would have said, I would say job loss, things like that. Because again, to your point, it, it, it's conditioned, it, it's conditioned on, okay, this happened and this is what caused it and things like that. And Wes, I got to go back. I, I got to go back for just a minute. I'm fascinated by how you ended up homeless and a heroin addict from just that spiral of just constantly. And, and again, I'm trying to put myself in that position. I think the, the audience is going, well, okay, well, yeah, you know, you get DUIs, you get your license taken. How does it go from that to heroin for you? When, when, when you think back to it, was it a steady progression to that point or were you kind of barreling toward that addiction in your own life? Well, um, you know, I, I couldn't see it at the time, but I can see it now in hindsight that every decision that I made throughout my entire life had led me to that very point. So a decision not to deal with my feelings, a decision not to face myself, a, de a decision to not deal with the events of my life. Every single decision, even the small decisions, I believe that our life is a result of the sum total of all the decisions that we've ever made, as well as the people that we surround ourselves and, and the books that we read, which, you know, result in our decisions. Um, but yeah, I, I believe that my life at that point was a, a, the sum total of all the decisions that I made. And, you know, if, if you're asking me specifically how I got there, um, you know, the biggest drug dealer I ever met had PhD behind his name. So I literally got hurt at work and was prescribed prescription pain medication. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm not for against any type of medication. Um, this is just my experience. And, you know, a person with, um, you know, a di an addictive past, um, I fell in love and you got to understand that I was at, at that time, I was the guy that that would never happen to me. That would yeah. never happen to me. And the reason why is because when I was 15 years old, I walked into a room and there was my sister dead on the floor. She was blue in the face from an overdose of heroin. And, um, I resuscitated her. I brought her back to life and for 15 years, I watched my sister put uh, basically my family and myself um, through some of the worst experiences that I've ever been through. Um, and I, I'm, I was dead set that I would never touch that specific substance only to find myself there. So, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. You actually become what you judge. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So watch out with that judgment thing, because, uh, you might just find yourself in the exact same predicament. Well, and, and here's the thing too, you, you go through and, and man, I, I got to tell you, Wes, I, I am just amazed at the things that you have overcome at 12, you come home from wrestling practice, mm -hmm. the state police is there. Your mom goes to jail. You bought, you're probably by yourself or living with a relative, things like that. At 15, you come in, you find your sister laying on the floor and she's blue and you resuscitate her. You have the presence of mind to do CPR on her mm -hmm. and resuscitate her and then watch her for the next 15 years 
just continue to fight and struggle and things like that. If you could go back to 12-year-old Wes, 15-year-old Wes, what would you say to those boys in those moments? Is there some way that you could encourage them and help them through that situation? I'm not saying you could change the path, and I'm not saying you would want to kind of to, to kind of use a comic book reference to alter the timeline. But what would you say to those those two boys? At those, what would you say to yourself at those particular ages of your life? You're enough. That's it. You're enough. Wow. Just the way that you are. Is that the same thing you would have said to the to the homeless heroin addict? I say that to myself every day. Wow. In, when you work with people, let, let, let's let's go there a little bit deeper. When you work with people, and you're you're coaching and you're helping people, why don't people feel like they're they're enough? What what's the what's the common thread that you find why people believe they're not enough? Because we're living our life with a rearview mirror approach. We're basing our current circumstances on our previous results. Say that again. I, that is so good because I, I want people to really hear that and understand it. I mean, you know, we, 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 our future potential has nothing to do with our previous results, but our subconscious mind is like a, it's like a filing cabinet and it magnifies all the negative, all the failures and things, right? So therefore, whenever we try to go outside our comfort zone to push the envelope, to raise the bar, we have a governor in here that says, oh, nope, wait, remember that time that you did that thing that this happened? And it reminds you of, of that setback, right? And then we base our abilities based on our previous results in our lives. And I'm saying that you are powerful beyond measure. <laughs> you are fully resourced. You have everything that you need to live and create not only the business, but the life that you want and deserve. You are already equipped. Man, that is so good. Because here's the thing, Wes. I don't think people understand that they've already got the goods. You know, yeah. they've already, they've got a, you know, in, in, in and we, we've been talking some business. They've got a fully stocked store. They've yeah. got a fully staffed operation. Big, big a toolbox. I call it a toolbox. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what I tell people too, as well with encouragement. I say, look, you only, you know, the sources that give you encouragement. Only, you know, what really and I was telling my son this the other day. I said, you know, here's the thing that I'll tell you. You've known, we've lived in this house since you were six years old. 
Has the water, has, has the, the kitchen sink ever changed positions on you? He's like, no. I'm like, so if you're thirsty, you get up in the middle of the night or, or anytime during the day, you're thirsty. Do you know where to go get something to refresh your thirst? It's like, yeah, either the refrigerator or the kitchen sink. I'm like, bingo, there it is. That, that place has never changed. But for people in their lives, it's making sure it's fully stocked. When you made the decision to turn your life around as a homeless heroin addict, take me to the moment that that happened for you. Kind of where you were at and what you were feeling. And what did it take for you to leave that spot? And leave that place. You were selling bottles of water for a dollar on the street. And and I'm assuming here to feed the addiction or to survive, whatever that was. What was the moment where you said, this has got to stop? I, 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 this has got, I I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And and I remember vividly, my mother had, um, you know, she had, she had let me come back to the house now she didn't really know that there was a problem but she knew something was up and denial is an incredible incredible tool for the mind um so she was in denial and one night you know i i was i think i was stealing from her to get to what i needed to get and uh, you know she walked in on me about to inject uh a syringe of filled with heroin and right before i was about to stick it in my arm she walked in and just the look on her face, the look in her eyes and the look of the disappointment and hurt and fear. It was, it was more than I could handle, bro. And, uh, in that moment I dropped to my knees and I prayed like I've never prayed before in my life. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. Have you ever wanted to live a bucket list life? Or if you're a business owner, have you ever wanted to incentivize your team in unbelievable ways? I have got just the thing for you. You need to contact my friend, Brad Norwood, with Dream It Pro Professional Events. Brad's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast, and I can tell you he has helped numerous companies achieve unbelievable things through experience travel. Experiences are what people want. They want to know how they can live incredible bucket list lives as well, too. And Brad can help you with both of those things. I can't give you any better encouragement than to give Brad and his team a call right now at 479-466-6907 or go to www.dreamitpro.com. And when you get there, click on events and you are going to see some unbelievable once-in-a-lifetime experiences. And I promise you this, unlike plaques, awards, trophies, things like that, experiences, and trips like these don't burn up in a fire. Again, go to www.dreamitpro.com today. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And it was the most genuine, authentic, and humble prayer that I've ever said. 
and it was please god help me and that was it you were about to shoot up yep and you had the presence of mind see to me that is that is such a, a a god moment that that to me just feels like a moment and whether you're listening and you're a christian or not that just feels like because you're about to shoot up you know you you want you you want this your body is is probably craving crying out for it you've got the syringe you're about to put it in your vein your mom walks in and you have the presence of mind to see her face in that moment and immediately know that you're, you you drop to your knees man west that that is that that screams a god moment Mm-hmm. To me, as a Christian, that screams like that just doesn't happen. When when you prayed and asked God to help you, what was the next five, ten minutes, hour like? Because I've talked to people that, that have struggled with addiction. And many times, it's an hour-to-hour thing with them. What were the next what were the next few moments like, the next hour or two hours? Well, I just through what happened after that. Yeah, I mean I, I just I just cried. I just cried. And it was it was a deep surrender. It was a, you know, so many times when we're faced with problems in our lives, but we don't know what to do. See, I had wanted to stop long before that moment. I just didn't know how, you know, it's one thing to have a problem. I don't care what your problem is, Yeah. but the ego and the shame and guilt that people put on you or that more so that we put on ourselves as a result of having this problem, it stops us from asking for help. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, so I had wanted to stop way before then. And, um, but I, I was always trying it my way. I, I, I wanted to do it on my circumstances. And there's a big difference between resignation and surrender. When we re- resign from something, um, it's almost like if I put you in a headlock and, you know, we're going back and forth and I put you in a headlock and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you resign, you let go, you stop fighting. But as soon as I let you out of that headlock, now you're back to being aggressive, right? Mm-hmm. But when you surrender, I mean, you really put your hands up and it's something different. And it's like, I don't know what I'm doing, but there's got to be something better than this. And I, you know, I needed a power greater than myself because, I, like I said, I tried for years to get my life back together and to no avail, you know. So I think that the definition of insanity is, uh, you know, keep trying it your way and getting the same results and then expecting yeah. something different. Right. Yeah. So, and, uh, and, yeah. and you, and you got clean through, through, and I love what you said. And here's what I wrote down. You were trying to stop the addiction your way. And, and I'll share this with you, Wes. Mm-hmm. I, you know, learning surrender and trust is a hard thing to do when you when you've 
when you feel like your way is the right way and you, you feel like what you know and what you can do is always or has always been sufficient, it, it, it's a hard thing to just go, okay, I'm going to let somebody else do this or I'm going to surrender. If you're a Christian, I'm going to surrender to the Lord and I'm going to trust God that he has a better pathway and plan for me. When did the thoughts of becoming an entrepreneur enter your mind? When did the thoughts of, okay, I'm surrendering this thing. Now, what do I do? Mm-hmm. How do I get, how do I start navigating this path? Real yeah. quick, take me through the steps following the surrender. Yeah. I mean, um, so shortly after that, you know, God just started putting people into my life and, um, you know, I began to recover from the disease of addiction. Um, and, um, you know, I don't endorse any specific group. Um, I'm just an advocate for change. I don't care what kind of change it is. And I began to change, um, you know, two parts to that answer. I I've been an entrepreneur since diapers. My, (laughs) my first business was, um, you know, I would draw these hideous Halloween and Christmas pictures. I probably scribbled on, you know, a piece of paper with a crayon. And then I would go door to door, uh, to the local businesses around my house. And I, and I would sell them for a quarter right at, at Halloween and Christmas. And, um, you know, they weren't buying my terrible artistic work. They were buying my cute face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, these and, kids got guts, you know. Yeah, yeah. 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 I just wanted, you know, 25 cents so I could go get yeah. some penny candy. And then um, you know, when I got a little bit older, I realized that raspberries grew for free on the side of the road. So I would, you know, me and my buddy, we would go pick raspberries and fill up like a little Dixie cup and we would stop at the stand at the stop sign and and sell cups of raspberries for 50 cents each. Um, so, I mean, entrepreneur since diapers, you know, um, you know, I'd sell anything. I was a big scrap guy, you know, I'd, I'd sell anything. Yeah. I, my, if my, I'd sell my ex-wife if she was worth anything, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I don't have an ex-wife, but (laughs) I've been meaning to use that joke for quite some time. No, it's good, man. I'd sell anything. Right. Um, (laughs) so I get clean. I'm an iron worker welder six foot tall, 220 pounds of ego, right? I climb up tall. I cut things down. I do what I got to do, right? Construction worker, making 80 grand a year, beautiful girlfriend, young, vibrant, whatever, two bedroom apartment, driving without a license, have all the social acceptability that society says is supposed to make you happy. But I want to put a nine millimeter in my brain because I'm working 60 hours a week. I'm unfulfilled and I'm not connected to God because you can never fix a spiritual void with a physical thing. And I completely changed the trajectory of my life. One week I was making $1,400 a week. The next week, I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. I walked away from the job, the car, the girl, and the apartment like that. And I realized that Success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure, meaning it doesn't matter what you get. It'll never make you happy. But the principles that you have to practice in order to get them and the person that you become as a result of putting in the hard work every day, 
that will. So I walked away from the security of working for someone else. I walked away from the girl, the job, the apartment, and I sold my car after driving without a license for nine and a half years. And I started riding a bicycle and walking dogs for $10 a day. I had no idea what I was going to do. All I knew was that life is too short to go through unhappy and unfulfilled. And through that, I got a divine message that said, go help your mom. Go help your mom. You got to understand, I'm six foot tall, 220 pound construction worker to go in to be a massage therapist. What are they going to think, right? I could hear like the jerk off jokes from my friends, like in my head, you know, what are they going to think to this day? I don't know who they are. There's no they. There's never been a they. There's never going to be a they. And the they is the in between the six inches between your ears that talks you out of God's will for your life. And, um, you know, so I'm riding a bicycle and uh, I, I go get my license for massage therapy and I show up at the business and I realize that, you know, mom... Funny story about my mom. She gets arrested in 1997. Three years later, she stayed in the same town underneath the same name, doing the same thing while an entire small town kicked her back in and said, I'm going to do it right. And three years later, she was the head massage therapist for the Philadelphia Eagles. She was the head massage therapist for the Philadelphia Eagles from 2000 to 2012. Every big name that you can think of on that team during that time, my mom was their massage therapist all because she stayed and fought and did the right thing. So when God told me to go help my mom, I was obedient. <laughs> I had no idea what I was going to do. I'm riding a bicycle eight and a half miles to get to work. And uh, when I got there, I realized that I love you, mom. You're the hardest worker in the, in the room, but you're still operating like it's 1995 and it's 2016. So massive action is the cure all to all fear. And, you know, we, we wait for the perfect circumstances to get started when really we need a result so that we can improve that result. So just go, go as far as you can see and you can see a little bit more. And that's exactly what I did. I started putting massive action. I rebranded, brought in technology, um, new facade. I just, every day I woke up at five o'clock in the morning, I put, positive content on to feed my mind. I wrote my goals down and I asked myself, how can we get a little bit better every single day? Just, just a quarter of an inch better every single day. And, uh, I grew that same business that was known for, it was a Google search away from the arrest in 1997. I grew at 1,017% in four years through a worldwide pandemic while riding a bicycle because my why was greater than my how. And if your why isn't greater than your how, you might want to reevaluate what you're doing. Man, man, oh man. I was going to ask you what your biggest piece of intentional encouragement was. You just, you just dropped it in there. Your why has to be greater than your how. Mm. And let me say this. If, if, if you are struggling 
with encouraging yourself. Take that one thing that Wes just shared and let that be your encouragement. Say, my why is going to be greater than my how. And I'm going to figure it out. Man, Wes, you have just given us so much. Man, it's just so powerful. I hope that people, when they listen to this, just take it all in. Hit rewind if you have to, because you have shared so much with us. Let folks know how they can connect with you, get more of your resources. If they want you to come speak to their business or their organization, how can folks get in touch with you, Wes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my website is just my name, Wesley Morris with a T W E S T L E Y Morris, M O R R I S.com. Um, I'm very active on Facebook, Instagram, and you could just search, uh, Wesley Morris on YouTube as well. Um, my email is in, um, Wesley Morris speaks at Yahoo. Um, you know, or just call me. <laughs> There's my phone number. 610-554-5533. Wow. Guy's giving his cell phone number to, to you people. I I'm, I'm open. Let's go. Oh, I want, I I'm telling you, Brian, I mean, I have, I have, I have a dream that I am going to inspire the world. I'm going to get people to dig down deep and find that they can do more, be more and become more than they are right now. Yeah. When you feel like you just can't go anymore, I'm telling you to just keep on pedaling. It does not matter where you start. It matters where you finish. Well, you've already, you're, you're already doing that. Wes, you're already inspiring a lot of people. And, and again, you've inspired me through this conversation. And I just, I want to say thank you. I want to thank you so much for joining me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Oh, man. I, th I thank you, too. Great guy here. Brian Sexton. Great, great man here. Thank you. And thank you, Eric, for putting us together. He is another phenomenal person. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.